The following presentation was recorded at the Buddhist Society of Victoria, Malvern East, Australia. Please visit our website at bsv.net.au. Okay, good evening everyone. Uh, welcome to the BSV on this lovely Monday night. Uh, it's good to see that so many people have actually turned up for a Monday night meditation. This is it's quite encouraging. I've the last few meditation sessions I've done, it's been me looking at a camera, so it's nice for nice to be actually looking at some people meditating, which is quite nice. Um, and welcome to anybody that's tuned in on YouTube. It's really nice. Um, so I have the uh, the very the very hard task of following an Ajahn Brahmali retreat this now. So I have to give some meditation instructions after after Ajahn Brahmali had a whole week of giving meditation instructions and, and much better meditation instructions that I could hope to give. Sort of like sort of like you like get on and follow the Beatles or something. The Beatles play and then you have to get up and play and so well, nobody's gonna listen to me. So yeah, so I have this very unenviable task. So if I say anything tonight that contradicts Ajahn Brahmali, rest assured that he's right and I'm wrong. So that's, that's don't listen to me, listen to Ajahn Brahmali. So, so with that in mind, with that in mind, uh, you can maybe just tune out what I have to say, which will be nice, nice, nicer than listening to me talk. Um, just quickly before I start, is there anybody here that's never meditated before? Everyone has a decent idea what they're doing don't really need me to give any kind of instructions good good so um, just for anybody that may be new uh, usually what we do is we sit for maybe you know, 45 minutes to sometime be, uh, between 45 minutes and an hour then after that you are more than welcome to ask any questions uh, also, same for people online. If you just want to type your questions into the chat, and we'll we'll get to them. Um, so, yeah, no need for you to sit for the whole meditation session and just you know think of questions to ask me. You don't have to do that. But if if some arise naturally, that's a good thing. So, yeah. With that, we we'll, we might get to it. Then we can probably dim the lights and and sit now. Just before we start, just take a few moments to rest and relax into the seat. Find the most comfortable position. And before we start, it's good to take stock of how we're feeling in this moment. Are we feeling restless, agitated, from the drive over? Or are we feeling relaxed and calm, 
Just take a few moments just to notice the way that your body feels and also, in essence, how your mind feels as well. The kind of mood or mental state that you might find yourself in. We can set the mind up and make the mind receptive for the meditation by making a slight determination to put everything down for the next hour and a half and just to relax and any concerns or worries that we may have just to put them aside. And to try to use this time to the best of our ability. and scan your awareness throughout your body. Notice if there's any tension anywhere, maybe in the shoulders or the jaw or the brow. And if you do notice any tension there, just try to release that tension and just relax into the posture.
Now start to let your awareness rest in one place. It could be the breath or any other object that you find useful. You can even just rest in this one place of open awareness or awareness itself. Whatever that object is, doesn't really matter. Just having it rest and sink in to one place. This is the main thing we're trying to do.
if you notice that the mind moves out from this resting place of stillness on the breath. Notice how you start to build meaning of any sounds out in the world or any objects of distraction. You label them in particular ways. And that labeling causes you to ascribe some kind of meaning to them. Something you like or don't like. Try to see that this phenomena that you experience is just the way it is. Try to drop the meaning-making mind just rest right here with what is.
as we try to rest our awareness in this point of stillness, in this point of the breath. You notice thoughts arise and they arise in this same spot. We have our awareness on the breath and it's like thoughts arise in the same place and this is what takes us away from the breath. Thoughts are the things that interfere. These thoughts are the things that tell us about the world and tell us about our experience. They tell us whether we're bored or whether we're happy, or whether things are good, or whether things are bad. But they're emanating from this same place as your awareness. They become your awareness. And they become your whole experience. This place that they arise from. Try to look. And who is the one that's thinking? Who is the owner of these thoughts? And you might answer, well, it's me. I'm thinking these thoughts. They're arising here, in me. But look closer at this thing that you think is me thinking these thoughts. What is this?
this feeling of being me. Where does it go when you look right at it? The source of all of our suffering is bundled up 
in this feeling or this thing that we call me. And where does that suffering go when you look at this thing we take to be me?
take a few minutes to adjust your body. You can gently open your eyes when you're ready. Hopefully you had a nice meditation. It was calm and peaceful. You're going to have to start agitating people towards the end of the meditation so I can get you to like poke you to ask some questions or something. Everybody's just relaxed and I feel like getting up and asking any questions. Um, if anybody does have any questions, you can feel free to come up to the microphone or if you don't want to come up to the microphone, you can just ask me and then I can repeat them potentially for anybody that's online. So if you have a question, now's the time. Ajahn, excuse me, while people's minds reactivate, there is a question from the online yeah, audience. Yeah. I, I, I love the online audience, so <laughs> always have a question. In fact, too, um, the first okay. one is, is it possible to elaborate on the meaning-making mind? Mm. Yeah, so... Whenever we experience something, whenever anything comes in contact with our senses, we experience something through the eyes, the ears, the nose, the tongue, the body, or we even when we experience a kind of mental image come up as a, as a thought, we tend to react to that and respond to that in some way. And usually... Once we've experienced this thing, we'll start to interpret it in a particular kind of way. And the way that we interpret that is uh, in many times due to how we're sort of feeling at that point in time. Maybe if we're feeling a little bit restless or agitated or something like that, you yeah, experience something and then you start to interpret this thing of all oh, this thing is annoying. This person that's come into my, my field of vision is annoying. And once you've experienced that thing, then you'll start to extrapolate meaning on top of that. Uh, you know, I don't like this person because they do this and this person did this to me at some other point in time. So I wish that they'd leave me alone or uh, and obviously it can go in the positive way as well in that. Uh, you see somebody that you like, you you see the image of this person in your experience and 
wow, this is my friend. I'm really glad that they're here. It's it's really great every time I can get to spend time with them. I'm gonna we're gonna have such a good time today. We're gonna have talks. So the meaning making mind is potentially this this thing that that extrapolates the narrative that we put out there into the world and and starts to label things as good and bad and uh, things that I like, things that I don't like. And in essence, what this mind is doing, it's it's sort of coloring the way that we're experiencing the world. So if if you know if people are coming into my field of vision or whatever, you know, it's really up to me what I think of them. Do, you know, do I like these people? You know, am I happy to see them? Am I happy to see them? I'm going to tell myself oh, I'm really happy to see all these people. This is great. This is awesome. They're all here. Um, or can I say, oh, all these people—they come to annoy me. They're, you know, they're, you know, they're doing all these things that are annoying me. So, the way that we experience the world is through this kind of meaning making that we're giving to everything, and this really is the thing that causes us to that, that really colors and causes the different kinds of experiences that we have in the world um, it causes us to either uh, have a joyous experience or it causes us to have a lot of suffering um, so we just have to be careful <laughs> we have to be careful of it because it's it's it it can go haywire and it can cause us a lot of suffering. It's like, I don't like this thing. I I wish I didn't have to do this. And, you know, you're always telling this. I I gave the, um, I gave a talk about this a few, that's an eon ago. It was like a couple of months ago now or something of like, it happens to me a lot. I get on the, I catch the bus pretty regularly. Um, And you get on the bus and usually I like to just like tune out when I'm on the bus. I don't, don't do anything but there's always somebody that gets on the bus and they get on and they and they like turn their phone on and like they like they watch some kind of like stupid vapid something happening at the oscars and everybody getting very angry about it and they're watching it and everybody's watching the same thing and all i can think of is god i wish you turn that thing off and just shut up and just just be quiet you're on the bus just shut up and be quiet and so really all this is is this person getting on the bus and you know they probably had a very hard day and all they want to do is you know vent a little bit on by watching somebody else get angry on youtube or something i don't really actually know what it is but i'm interpreting the world in this way and it's making my world awful you know this person that's on the bus, they don't care what I think. They, 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 they don't even know that I'm there most of the time. But here I am sort of like brewing and broading in the background. And, yeah, it's, it's this, the meaning that I'm giving to this situation. This is the thing that's causing me suffering. So we have to be careful of it. We have to be careful when it runs away. And that's where something like having mindfulness around this uh, um this kind of meaning that we're giving to things out in the world, this is one of the most important skills that we can actually develop because it sort of pulls us back from the brink. Um, uh, so, yeah, that's in essence, that's what I mean by the, the meaning-making mind. I've maybe trademarked a new, <laughs> new thing. I don't know. Yeah. Thank you, Ajahn. The MMM. 
the MMM. <laughs> but somebody's probably said it before me. I'm pretty sure they have. <laughs> Are there any questions from anyone in the room? Um, apparently not at this stage. So there are actually yeah. at this point three more questions okay. online now. Arjan? Yeah. The next question, thank you Arjan. Should I do nothing or do something during meditation? Do both, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Do both something and nothing and do, do them simultaneously. And then while you're doing nothing, be be doing something in that and while you're doing something you know be doing nothing at the same time no well it's you know it, it is you know, I'm being facetious but it is a good question it's uh there's a lot of confusion around this kind of well do I just let everything go do I do nothing do I put forth no effort or do I actually put forth some kind of some kind of effort and do something um and I think maybe I have a contrary view of this to most people i think that you do need to try to do something up to a point before you can do nothing um i don't really think it's it's beneficial if you're sort of starting and you could say that you're a beginner or even that you're intermediate of just like jumping in and just doing nothing i do think that you do need to do something and uh, do something uh, but do something properly and that will get you to the point where you can do nothing um, so the you know the example is uh, you want to you want to have this kind of effortless awareness on the breath where you are just doing nothing and the breath is just there in your in your field of experience but to just go Okay, I've just walked into the BSV. I'm going to sit down and poof, I'm going to do nothing. It's like, I, I, it's hard for most people. There are some people that can do it that are very experienced, but you know, you know, I'm not one of them, um, and I don't think most people are one of these people. So I think you do need to do something up to a point, um, and then the doing of nothing will naturally occur. So. Yeah, I think you need like some direction, um, and you know, I think I think you can even train to do both as well. So, what I mean by that is, say for example, you sit meditation, and maybe let's let's just say you sit for an hour. You know, you can try for the you know let's call it like the first. 40 minutes or something of like, okay, I'm going to try to do something. I'm going to try to keep my mind on the breath and it's going to run off and I'm going to keep trying to do something and putting my mind on the breath. But then you can make the conscious decision maybe in the last 20 minutes. Okay, in this last 20 minutes, I'll try to do nothing. I'll just try to rest as awareness itself. I'll just try to let go of any effort. Um, and so you can do this and try to mediate between the two and then develop both skills. But I think it's harder to do that the other way around. It's, it's harder to sit down first and go, I'm going to do nothing first and then go, well, later I'll do something. So I think you have to do something to build up to the point where you can do nothing, but you can develop both skills as well. So um, 
yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully that made some semblance of sense. So, yeah. Thank you, Ajahn. Mm. The next question, uh, probably part, a lot of people can relate to mm. at the moment. Uh, there's a lot of people who are edgy at the moment. How do I control edgy myself? Edgy as in cool edgy. or like edgy no, as in... Edgy like, on okay. edge. Okay, cool. Okay, yeah. On <laughs> edge. How do I control myself and my emotions and not get tangled in someone else's suffering? Thank you. It's hard, it's, it, but it is a skill that you can develop. Because um, there's a point where sometimes you don't want to do that. Sometimes you actually do need to get like involved in other people's suffering. What it is to actually have empathy and have compassion for someone is you do actually, you are involved in their suffering. So there's a point where you don't want to take that away. And you can't take that away. And you shouldn't take that away. It's this is one of the things that you know that 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 makes us human. And so it's not about just going well. The world's suffering, and everybody else's things are going bad, and everybody's edgy at the moment. And I'm just going to disengage from that. That's not quite a responsible way to live in the world. So it was like, well, do you want to do that? And you know, I, I don't think that you want to do that all the time. But I, you know, and I do understand your question, like, you know, how do things are going like mad around me? So how do I sort of step back from that? So it really comes from actually having proper compassion for the world. If you have indifference towards the world, it's like you're trying to push it away. But if you actually really do have compassion for things that are happening in the world and the and the and the and the kind of you know things that are causing people to be edgy, you really do actually have this kind of compassion. You actually do have a real kind of equanimity towards the world. There's no sense that you're pushing that away, but you're accepting it for what it is. You're accepting the world for what it is and you're compassionate towards it. So it's not something that's easy to do. Um, it's not something that's easy to go, well, how do, I, how do I become sort of involved in this thing that you're in and how do I empathize with you and how do I have compassion for you, but how do I sort of you know, not get dragged down by that as well. I think that's that's more the question of how do you, not how you not get involved in this thing, but how do I not get dragged down by it? Um, and that's, you know, that is a skill that you can, that you can actually develop um, whereby you can start to see that, okay, well, even though I'm in the world with you and even though I'm sort of sharing this experience with you and even though there's some kind of suffering there that we're involved in together, I can still in some way see that this is the way the world is and I'll 
I'll help you and I'll be as compassionate and I'll do whatever I can for you and those in the world. But I still have to see the world for what it is. It's still this place that where, you know, this sort of array of different, different sort of edgy and awful things can happen. And this is just the way it is. And if you can, if you can actually do that, and you can sort of see, well, you know, this is the world, and this is the, these are the things out in the world, and how again, how I'm sort of ascribing meaning to this thing. If you can sort of let go of that, of that kind of meaning of, well, it's it's this way, and it should be another kind of way. I think that's one of the ways where you can sort of, you know, drop this. But yeah, I you know. I, I'm I'm just hesitant to say that of like you know no, just the world's burning so just like forget it I I don't think that's the right way to go about things, um, yeah so sometimes sometimes maybe you want to suffer with the world sometimes maybe you need to suffer with the world to sort of remind yourself that you know you're a part of this as well and that you're not you're not separate from this in some way. We always look out in the world and we, we thought, of, well, it's all over there. Everything's out there, everything's over there, everything's somebody else's problem. Everything's, everything's some kind of, it's, it's got nothing to do with me. And so we, you know, we don't drag ourselves into it, but actually sometimes you, I think you should drag yourself into it. Just to remind yourself that, you know, it's just by your own, good fortune and good luck that you're not experience the kind, experiencing the kind of suffering that everybody else is. It, you're just totally lucky that, you've, you're, you're, that you're living a good life, that you're living a calm and peaceful life, but these other people now are you know, experiencing so much stress and suffering and torment. So it's just maybe to remind yourself of like, well, you know, there is suffering in the world. And it's just so lucky that I'm not experiencing that kind of suffering right now, but maybe at some point I will. And then what would I want? If, every, if, if everybody else in the world is like burning now, but I'm not, how would I want people to react to me when I'm burning You know, I think we, you know, we we just can't forget that, you know, like it's, so I don't think it's healthy to go, well, I'll just let everything go on the outside. It's, you do have to take some of it on sometimes and, because this is where like real compassion can start to come about when, because you really do understand their suffering and you know that, you know, the, you know, at some point I could suffer like this too and how would I want people to react to me? And so, you know, in essence to answer the question, if you think like that, well then, you know, well, how would I want people to react to me when I'm suffering? That's how you should react to them. That's how you should treat them. That's how you should you know, act towards these people. You know, you would, if you were, if you were in the midst of confusion and torment and suffering and war and all these kinds of things, he's like, I would want somebody to be kind to me. I want, I would want somebody to be compassionate to me. 
I would want somebody that you know really understands my experience. And so that's how you should treat these other people. This is how you should view these other people, not to totally disengage from them. So yeah, that's maybe I hope that made some sense. So. Thank you, Ajahn. The person who asked that question actually clarified as you were answering that they meant, how do I uh, respond without falling into anger? Mm. Um, I think possibly you answered that anyway. Mm. Okay. <clears throat> the final um, question is actually two people asked pretty much the same question. Okay. Um, I'll just quickly read out the two alike. of them. Yes, yeah. they were synchronous. Uh, I'll read out the both because they have a slightly different flavour, but they're, they're essentially the same, the, dealing with the same topic. Um, thank you, Rajan. During meditation, when we're supposed to think of nothing mm. or do something, uh, sometimes worried thoughts pop up. What should we do to ease our mind? And the second question that appeared right after it, sometimes I get overwhelmed due to so many thoughts and negative emotions during meditation that I get very exhausted. Mm. Is it natural and how to slowly let go of all negative emotions? Mm. Yeah, so it's, again, it's a process. It's, it takes time. It's not just something that you're going to sit down and go, well, I'm going to sit down now and I'm going to meditate and, you know, I'm just going to let all these sort of negative worried emotions go. Um, uh, it, it does, it's going to take some time. I the first caveat I'd sort of give to that is if, if it gets really bad and you really are sort of worried and anxious and negative and it's sort of overwhelming you, then do, like get up and do something else. Uh, uh, you don't want to sort of like spiral down. Um, but, you know, we, if you, if you do, if you do keep uh, practicing meditation and you, you've sort of got to this point where I'm not so, you know, anxious, I'm not so worried, I'm not so, uh, you know, overly assailed by thoughts at the moment, then, you know, you can start to, in a way, do a little bit of what I was talking about tonight with the meditation. You know, you start to look at these thoughts and go, well, what are these, you know, what are these thoughts? You know, are they real? Are they tangible? this kind of worry and this kind of negativity that I have in my mind, is this a real thing or is this just something that's sort of language that pops up into the mind and then dissipates into nowhere? You know, is it just, you know, is it just thought or is this a real thing? So if you can start to get a some kind of a handle on that, it, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily make it perfect but it makes it a little bit better and you don't you're not so enmeshed in this thing it was like i said that microphone's about to fall by the way it's uh it's uh, <laughs> you know you don't want to have that whack on the floor it was like i said the with your in the in the meditation it's like this this felt sense of me these felt sense of thoughts all our sufferings like wrapped up wrapped up in this thing and the thoughts that come up we think you know this is me thinking these worried and anxious and negative thoughts 
And but if we sort of look at the thoughts and where you know where do these thoughts emanate from? Whose thoughts are these, or are these just merely just thoughts that come up? They lose a lot of their power um, because usually we're just we're we're viewing the world through these thoughts as me. But if you sort of look back on them and, and break apart that me that I think is the one that is thinking these thoughts, they can sort of unravel and they lose. A lot of their spell over you because usually usually the spell is of like oh well, you know i'm worried i'm anxious about this kind of thing and, and i'm the one that's worried and anxious about it and these thoughts that i have they're real what i'm having is is totally real and this is the way that the actual world is but if you can sort of look back on that process a bit and go no they're just thoughts and they just come and go it can they can lose a lot of their power so if you continue to do this, um, this again, this can take a lot of the wind out of their sails. But then also, you know, you do sort of have to try to calm that, you know, that storm that's sort of happening as well. You have to calm it by by letting the mind rest on something. And when it is a little bit more still, that's when you can sort of look at the thoughts a little bit more, and they can lose their power over you. So. You know, again, again, uh, uh, the the doing nothing thing. It's like you know, try to do something first. Try to try to settle the mind down by trying to keep it on one thing, and then you can start to let go of these nothings and let go of the thoughts in that way. So, yeah. Thank you very much, Ajahn. Are there any more questions in the room? No, everyone's very peaceful, and there are no more questions online. So that's all. Thank you so much, Ajahn. Perfect. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you all for coming. Hopefully, hopefully it was beneficial for you in some way. Uh, hopefully, you got a little something a little bit out of it. And again, you know, is uh, you know, if I've said anything tonight that uh, contradicted Ajahn Brahmali, Ajahn Brahmali's right. I'm not. So, <laughs> so yeah. Just take take my take my take my words with a grain of salt. So okay. So all the best. <laughs>